You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. By Various The Meteor Girl by Jack Williamson, Part B I walked around the circle of luminous smoke with the marvellous picture in the centre. It seemed that a window swung with me. I surveyed the whole angry surface of that slate-grey storm-beaten sea to the misty horizon. Nowhere was it broken by land or ship. Charlie fell to adjusting his rheostat and switches. It seemed that the grey ocean moved swiftly beyond the window. Vast stretches of it raced below our eyes. Faint black stains of steamer smoke appeared against the blue-grey horizon and swept past. Then land appeared, a long green-grey line. We had a flash of a long coast that unreeled in endless panorama before us. It was such a view as one might get from a swift airplane, a plane flying thousands of miles per hour. The Golden Gate flashed before us, with the familiar skyline of San Francisco rising on the hills behind it. "'San Francisco!' Charlie cried. "'This is the Pacific we've been seeing. Let's find the Valhalla. We might be able to see Virginia.' The coastline vanished as he manipulated his instruments. Staring into the circle of shining blue mist, I saw the endless ocean racing below us again. We picked up a pleasure yacht, running under bare poles. "'I didn't know there was such a storm on,' Charlie murmured. Other vessels swam past below us, labouring against heavy seas. Then we looked upon an ocean whipped into mighty white-crowned waves. Rain beat down in sheets from low, dense clouds. Vivid violet lightnings flashed before us. It seemed very strange to see such lightning and hear not the faintest whisper of thunder but no sound came from anything we saw through the blue-rimmed window in space. "'I hope the Valhalla isn't in weather like this,' cried Charlie. In a few minutes a dark form loomed through the wind-driven mist. Swiftly it swam nearer, became a black ship. "'Only a tramp,' Charlie said, breathing a sigh of relief. It was a dingy tramp steamer, her superstructure wrecked. Her fires seemed dead. She lay across the wind, rolling sluggishly, threatening to sink with every monstrous wave. We saw no living person aboard her. She seemed a sinking derelict. We made out the name Roma on her side. Charlie moved his dials again. In a few minutes, the slender prow of another great steamer came through the sheets of rain. It was evidently a passenger vessel. She seemed limping along, half-wrecked, with mighty waves breaking over her rail. Charlie grew white with alarm. The Valhalla, he gasped, and she's headed straight for that wreck. In a moment he brought the liner closer below our blue-rimmed window. I too made out the name. The wet, glistening decks were almost deserted. Here and there a man struggled futilely against the force of the storm. In a few minutes the drifting wreck of the Roma came into our view, dead ahead of the limping liner. Through the mist and falling rain the derelict could not have been in sight of the lookout of the passenger vessel until she was almost upon it. We saw the white burst of steam as the siren was blown. We watched the desperate effort of the liner to check her way to come about, but it was too much for the already crippled ship. Charlie cried out as a mighty wave drove the Valhalla down upon the sluggishly drifting wreck. All the mad scene that ensued was strangely silent. We heard no crash when the collision occurred, heard no screams or shouts while the mob of desperate white-faced passengers were fighting their way to the deck. The vain struggle to launch the boats was like a silent movie. One boat was splintered while being lowered. Another, already filled with passengers, was lifted by a great wave and crushed against the side of the ship. Only shivered wood and red foam were left. The ship listed so rapidly that the boats on the lee side were useless. It was impossible to launch the others in that terrible lashing sea. "'Virginia can swim,' Charlie said hopefully. 
You know she tried the channel last year and nearly made it, too. He stopped to watch that terrible scene in white-faced, anxious silence. The tramp went down before the steamer, drawing fragments of wrecked boats after it. The liner was evidently sinking rapidly. We saw dozens of hopeless, panic-stricken passengers diving off the lee-side, trying to swim off far enough to avoid the tremendous suction. Then, with a curious deliberation, the bow of the Valhalla dipped under green water. Her stern rose in the air until the ship stood almost perpendicular. She slipped quickly down out of sight. Only a few swimming humans and the wrecks of a few boats were left on the rough grey sea. Charlie fumbled nervously with his dials, trying to get the scene near enough so that we could see the identity of the struggling swimmers. A long boat, which must have been swept below by the suction of the ship, came plunging above the surface upside down. It drifted swiftly among the swimmers who struggled to reach it. I saw one person, evidently a girl, grasp it and drag herself upon it. It swept on past the few others still struggling. The wrecked boat with the girl upon it seemed coming swiftly towards our blue-rimmed window. In a few minutes I saw something familiar about her. "'It's Virginia!' Charlie cried. "'God, we've got to save her somehow!' The long rollers drove the overturned boat swiftly along. Virginia Randall clung desperately to it, deluged in foam, whipped with flying spray, the wild wind tearing at her. About us the clear still night was deepening. The air was warm and still. The hot stars shone steadily. Quiet lighted houses were in sight above the beach. It was very strange to look through the fire-rimmed circle to see a girl struggling for life, clinging to the wrecked boat in a stormy sea. Charlie watched, in an apathy of grief and horror, trembling and speechless, doing nothing except move the controls to keep the floating girl in our sight. Hours went by as we watched. Then Charlie cried out in sudden hope, "'There is a chance. I might do it. I might be able to save her.' "'Might do what?' "'We are able to see what we do, because the field of the meteor bends light through the four-dimensional continuum. The world line of a ray of light is a geodesic in the continuum. The field I have built distorts the continuum, so we see rays that originated at a distant point. Is that clear?' "'Clear as mud.' "'Well, anyhow.' If the field was strong enough, we could bring physical objects through space-time instead of mere visual images. We could pick Virginia up and bring her right here to the crater. I'm sure of it. You mean you could move a girl through some four or five thousand miles of space? You don't understand. She wouldn't come through space at all, but through space-time, through the continuum, which is a very different thing. She is four thousand miles away in our three-dimensional space, but in space-time, as you see, she's only a few yards away. She's only a few yards from us in the fourth dimension. If I can increase the field a little, she'll be drawn right through. You're a wizard if you can do it. I've got to do it. She's a fine swimmer. That's the only reason she's still alive. But she'll never live to reach the shore, not in a sea like that. Charlie fell to work at once, mounting another electromagnet beside the one he had set up, and rigging up two more X-ray bulbs beside the packing box which held the meteor. The motion of the boat in the fire-rimmed window kept drawing it swiftly away from us, and Charlie showed me how to move the dial of his rheostat to keep the girl in view. Before he had completed his arrangements, a patch of white foam came into view just ahead of the drifting boat. In a moment I made out a cruel black rock, with the angry sea breaking into fleecy spray upon it. The boat was almost upon it, driving straight for it. Charlie saw it and cried out in horror. The long black hull of the splintered boat, floating keel upward, was only a few yards away. A great white-capped breaker lifted it and hurled it forward with the girl clinging to it. She drew herself up and stared in terror at the black rock, 
while another long surging roller picked up the boat and swept it forward again i stood paralyzed in horror while the shattered boat was driven full upon the great rock i could imagine the crash of it but it was all as still as a silent picture the boat riding high on a crest of white foam smashed against the rock and was shivered to splinters virginia was hurled forward against the slick wet stone desperately she scrambled to reach the top of the boulder her hand slipped on the polished rock the wild sea dragged at her at last she got out of reach of the angry grey water though spume still deluged her i breathed a sigh of relief though her position was still far from enviable virginia virginia why did i let you go charlie cried desperately he fell to work again mounting the magnet and tubes another hour went by while i watched the shivering girl on the rock bobbed hair wet and glistening was plastered close against her head and her clothing was torn half off she looked utterly exhausted it seemed to take all her ebbing energy to cling to the rock against the force of the wind and the waves that dashed against her she looked cold blue and trembling the water stood higher the tide is rising charlie exclaimed it will cover the rock pretty soon if i don't get her off in time she's lost he finished twisting his wires together i've got it all ready he said now i've got to find out exactly where she is to know how to set it even then it's fearfully uncertain i hate to try it but it's the only chance you can find out yes from the spectral shift and other factors i'll have to get some other apparatus he ran up to the laboratory across the level field that lay black beneath the stars he came back panting with spectrometer terrestrial globe and other articles the tide is higher he cried as he looked through the blue-rimmed circle of the girl on the rock she'll be swept off before long he mounted the spectrometer and fell to work with a will taking observations through the telescope adjusting prisms and diffraction gratings reading electrometers and other apparatus and stopping to make intricate calculations i helped him when i could or stared through the ring of shining blue mist where i could see the waves breaking higher about the exhausted girl who clung to the rock clouds of wind-whipped spray often hid her from sight i knew that she would not have the strength to hold on much longer against the force of the rising sea although driven almost to distraction by the horror of her predicament he worked with a cool swift efficiency only the pale anxiety-drawn expression on his face showed how great was the strain he finished the last spectrometer observation snatched out a pad and fell to figuring furiously something's queer here he said presently frowning a shift on the spectrum that i can't explain by distortion through three-dimensional space alone i don't understand it we stared at the chilled and trembling girl on the rock i'm almost afraid to try it what if something went wrong he turned to the terrestrial globe he had brought down and traced a line over it he made a quick calculation on his pad then made a fine dot on the globe with a pencil point here she is on a rock some miles off point eugenia on the coast of the mexican state of lower california most lonely spot in the world no chance for a rescue we must my god he screamed in sudden horror look i looked through the blue-ringed window and saw the girl green water was surging about her waist it seemed that each wave almost tore her off then i saw that she was struggling with something a great coiling tentacle black and leathery and glistening was thrust up out of the green water it wavered deliberately through the air and grasped at the girl she seemed to scream though we could hear nothing she beat at the monster weakly vainly she's gone cried charlie an octopus i said a giant cuttlefish virginia made a sudden fierce effort 
with a strength i had not thought her chilled limbs possessed she tore away from the dreadful creature and clambered higher on the rock but still a hideous black tentacle clung about her ankle tugging at her drawing her back despite her desperate struggle to break free i've got to try it charlie said determination flashing in his eyes it's a chance he closed a switch his new coil sung out above the old one x-ray tubes flickered beside the blue fire that ringed the window he adjusted his rheostats and closed the circuit through a new magnet a curtain of blue flame was drawn quickly between us and the round fire-rimmed window a huge ball of blue fire hung about the meteorite and the instruments for a minute it hung there while charlie perspiring worked desperately with the apparatus then it expanded became huge it exploded noiselessly in a great flash of sapphire flame then vanished completely meteor bench and apparatus were gone in the light of the stars we could make out the huge crater the meteorite had torn with a few odds and ends of equipment scattered about it but all the apparatus charlie had set up connected with the meteoric stone had disappeared he was dumbfounded staggered with disappointment virginia virginia he called out in a hopeless tone no she isn't here it didn't draw her through i've failed and we can't even see her any more desperately i searched for consolation for him maybe the octopus won't hurt her i offered they say that most of the stories of their ferocity are somewhat exaggerated if the monster doesn't get her the tide will he said bitterly i made a miserable failure of it and i don't know why i can't understand it apathetically he picked up his pad and held it in the light of his electric lantern something funny about this equation the shift of the spectrum lines can't be accounted for by distortion through space alone with a wrinkled brow he stared for many minutes at the bit of paper he held in the white circle of light suddenly he seized a pencil and figured rapidly i have it the light was bent through time i should have recognized these space-time coordinates he calculated again yes the scene we saw in that circle of light was distant from us not only in space but in time the valhalla probably hasn't sunk at all yet we were looking into the future but how can that be seeing things before they happen i have the profoundest respect for charlie king's mathematical genius but when he said that i was frankly incredulous space and time are only relative terms our material universe is merely the intersection of tangled world lines of geodesics in a four-dimensional continuum space and time have no meaning independently of each other jean says a terrestrial astronomer may reckon that the outburst on nova persei occurred a century before the great fire of london but an astronomer on the nova may reckon with equal accuracy that the great fire of london occurred a century before the outburst on the nova the field of this meteorite deflected light waves so that we saw them earlier according to our conventional ideas of time than they originated we saw several hours into the future and the amplified field of the magnet though strong enough to move virginia through space was not sufficiently powerful to draw her back to us across time yet she must have felt the pull some dreadful thing may have happened the problem is rather complicated he lifted his pencil again in the glow of the little electric lantern i saw his lean young face tense with the fierce effort of his thought his pencil raced across the little pad setting down symbols that i could make nothing of end of section twenty six thank you everyone for being patient for these these uh current and upcoming episodes uh had a rash of sickness and uh family issues currently and yeah so 
I, I now present you with uh, March and early April on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We would also like to welcome Gretchen Martin uh, to the cast of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. She is... Uh, I don't know, I, I, I guess uh, one of our, our, our other horror movie experts in uh, comics uh, and uh, uh, manga and uh, a lot of uh, other stuff. And yeah, no, no. Uh, so welcome Gretchen and check us out on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. At PGTTCM, PGTTCM.com, at PGTTCM.com. Uh, just search any of those. You'll find us eventually. <laughs> We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, and Gretchen's on Gretchen is Weird, I believe, on Instagram. So check her out. Uh, Dave's Corner of the Universe is Dave's website. Uh, he's not linking anything from us to him, but we link to him. So check out his past articles. Give him some love. Maybe he'll write some more stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, if you like this show, share it. Let other people know that you like it. Uh, let me know if you like it. Uh, you can contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com. If you S-A-S-E us a envelope, we will send you some stickers or something. And yeah, so thank you. Contact, uh, message me for uh, uh, address. And uh, we'll talk to you in the future. And uh, keep, keep, keep it weird, stay squiggly, and uh, yeah. <laughs>